0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we've got some time, nine minutes till the top of the hour. After that, Julian Fantino is going to join us in some of the new rules of engagement on the roads when it comes to stiffer penalties for impaired driving or distracted driving. Uh, We'll need to know about that. Back with our panel, though, on this matter, Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, folks offshore. (laughs) Justin Trudeau has decided that in 2019, which is where we are right now, I keep reminding myself, the upcoming election, expats should be allowed to vote. So guys like Donald Sutherland, Neil Young, you know, down there in Malibu, uh, haven't returned to this country in 30-some-odd years, should be granted the right to vote. Quickly around the horn, does that make sense to you, Sherman?
1: No, not at all. As a matter of fact, you're going to do that? Call up these guys who went to join ISIS and give them a vote.
0: Okay, uh, that was rather succinct. How about you, Andrew Cash?
1: (laughs) We can't really follow that. Um, I don't think it's going to make a wicked difference one way or the other. I think it's an. I think it's a non-issue. I think we've got way bigger issues around electoral reform that we need to deal with. I think this is something the government's doing to distract folks from the real stuff.
0: All right. So that's all Trudeau's playing a distraction game. Mm-hmm. Okay. You impugn his character and <laughs> reputation. <laughs> Stephen Hollis, politics. Does
2: it make sense to you? It's no, easy. it's very bizarre. I don't understand. <laughs> well, this was. Uh, this was not an issue, so it has mm-hmm. come up. Yeah. The only thing I can think, of, and it's not a shiny thing coming up to the next election that people are going to talk about, the only thing I have to wonder is it a stepping stone to opening the door to non citizens to vote? in some other type of radical reform. You know, put up this trial balloon, see how people react, and if it slides through without a problem, then we can try something bigger. Well, you might be right, because he's
0: already said as a matter of record we're a post-national country anyway and have no core values, so uh, maybe it's just leading to that inevitability. (laughs) i got to ask, finally, (laughs) finally, hey, Sherman, you remember the heady days of April Wine back in Montreal? I do. I know. uh, You were working in uh, a pop music station at the time.
1: I was. So uh,
0: the name Miles Goodwin, you recollect?
1: Of course. And, and you're going to talk about the famous lost guitar.
0: 46 years ago, I guess some roadie drove uh, the tour bus off the road in Montreal. They were coming out of Cape Breton from Nova Scotia. And uh, amongst other things, Goodwin's guitar, uh, which he had tweaked, uh, it was a Gibson and uh, a melody maker from 1962. Mm. So a vintage guitar, you know, kind of in the same family as the Les Paul. This thing uh, turns up. Somebody notified him from Victoria, the West Coast, early in the New Year, which is now, uh, or over Christmas, I guess, that he had it. Goodwin bought it off the dude. 46 years later, he's repatriated with his guitar, which, you know, is a fantastic story. And he waxed rhapsodic about how this guitar was so significant to him and the sentimental value. Andrew Cash is a former musician. I'm going to start with you. Ever have an item or, uh, you know, an object that's irreplaceable for sentimental reasons? Well,
1: absolutely, and I had... A Les Paul Jr. stolen, a Telecaster stolen, a Gretsch stolen over the course of 30 years. Wow. And, uh, and you know, every time I go into a guitar store, I I kind of look at the Les Paul Jr.'s just to see if it's there. And I try a few just to see if they feel right, because, you know, every guitar feels different. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, you miss them. You miss them when they're gone.
0: See, I had you figured as a Rickenbacker guy. <laughs> nope.
2: All Never right. played
1: one, actually.
0: No way. Eh? Okay,
2: but they all had their own personalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, Stephen Holliday? Well, you know, I lost my gloves and I was checking the <laughs> checking the, <laughs> uh, on the station. Yeah, yeah. But intro i have one amazing item. My grandfather passed away a number of years ago. We were cleaning up the house and we found something. It was my great grandfather's paybook that he carried in his pocket throughout World War One. Whoa! And it talks about his journey through there and all the places that he'd been and the places that they couldn't say where he'd been because it was written in code. And it's something that I have in in a display, and I take it out and I show it to my kids around Remembrance Day. And we talk about my great-grandfather because I had a chance to know him. But that's my connection to him in the past, and it's their connection to war. And it's a tattered book. It's 100 years old, and it's an amazing artifact because of all of the things that it represents. Wow.
0: Great stories. How about you, Peter Sherman? Very
1: quick one. Uh, First Mother's Day that my wife and I celebrated. We had our newborn first son. I gave her a diamond heart and a very sentimental thing to do. It would be with her forever, but it wasn't. We went to Nassau on a vacation. It was ripped from her neck um, by a, a... a big wave, and uh, you couldn't find it in the ocean, and we never got it back. So it's not a guitar, we're never going to see it again. And uh, that saddened us, and obviously I've remembered it because that son is 44 years old, and uh, it stays with me today.
0: You know, it's funny you mention that, just quickly, because uh, along a similar line, uh, my sister had this crucifix that I wear around my neck blessed by the Pope in 1976. So, you know, it's always there. It's ubiquitous. I was playing hockey one time about uh, five, seven years ago up at Thornhill Community Center, summer hockey. And coming off the ice, it was gone. And I thought I probably just left it at home and forgot to, you know, put it on when I left. But then I didn't find it at home. And about three or four days later, it started to bother me. So I went back to the rink, And I asked the guy of the lost and found. He says, well, you can go and have a look. But it's all old toques and mitts and things like that and hockey socks, elbow pads. So no luck as far as I was concerned. And it really was grinding me. Uh, But a week later, I decided to go back because I thought, what if, just what if, the Zamboni driver cleaning the ice had picked it up? And there's all these mounds of snow that are now melting on the parking lot side. You know what I'm talking about, Sherman. You were up there repping I that. lived there, man, around right, the corner. Right there off John Street, right. Those mounds of snow were there in July. They were, because it was summer hockey. But yeah. here's the deal. So the guy says, uh, I said, do you mind if I check through the snow banks? He says, no, here's a shovel. Go ahead. And he was just shaking his head with his buddy playing euchre there in the the room. So I went out there, and I started shoveling the snow and throwing it up in the air and letting the snow drop onto the, the pavement, and it splattered. And about a half an hour in, I saw a little gold glitter. Miracles happen. <laughs> and what was wild about it, it was just the latch or whatever, you know. And I, But I said, I know it's here now. And so I continued to dig. It was like one of those scenes out of a movie. And three different pieces that had been broken into, I guess, by the rotor blades and the Zamboni. Put it back together. There were, you know, a few little striations in it, whatever. But that's the story. It's destiny. Uh-huh. It is. Hey, it was meant story. to be found, but a, a yep. week later. And uh, so I'm sorry that, you know, you never got your uh, particular pendant out of the waves in the Bahamas there, Peter. But uh,
1: I think after 44 years, I'm not going back
0: and doing a dive. Well, yeah, but, you know, that explains all those old guys on Miami Beach with the metal detectors. There I have you one go. of those. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> you you want to check in some pawn shop. Uh, maybe there's a story to be told still. Uh, but we'll leave it for another day. I thank you all for coming in. Andrew Cash, uh, first time. Great, great thank work. Thank you for having me. look forward to doing it again. Stephen Holiday and Peter thank Sherman, you. all the best. You will talk real soon. Happy great. New Year.